Thank you everybody Welcome to another episode of Ben Frank Now Hope you guys are having a great, great, wonderful Monday I'm your host Frank And once again, Amelia's not here She's dealing with the kids, but it's all good though We'll start getting everything all together and take care of that situation But hey, tonight is Miss Sophia Lynn DuPont show yeah, you remember her. We spoke with her about two weeks ago. Good young lady. Very insightful. How you doing, Miss Sophia? Hi, how's it going? Doing, doing pretty. Okay. Oh, yeah. I appreciate you call, um, coming in. I mean, hell, I know it's late out there right now, but I appreciate you taking the time and giving us a talk. How was your weekend? Well, you know, still celebrating. My daughter turned eight this weekend. There you go. Bad eight. <laughs> what grade she's yeah. in? What grade she's in now? She's going in a third grade. Wow. Um, if school opens up in September, she'll be in the third grade. Oh man. Amazing, amazing. Kids grow up fast, don't they? Yeah. That is too cool. fast. <laughs> well, you know, um, we've been talking about the subject we was wanting to talk about tonight and um the mental health. I mean, I read a few things on Facebook and um I think we all or maybe going through some type of mental health issues right now. And that's not in a negative way, but I'm just talking about like people are just getting frustrated of um, being inside a house and um, just dealing with this whole COVID thing. And states are opening, states are closing, schools starting, schools not starting. Um, people are working and people are getting furloughed. People are getting unemployment. Bills are due. Unemployment runs out July 25th. There's no extension. CARES Act, $1,200. It's not there now. You know what I'm saying? So they're talking about doing a HEROES Act. People supposed to get paid. Um, Congress and the Senate, they're not deciding what they, I mean, I'm sorry, the um, Senate and the House haven't decided what they're going to give. People are just totally effing frustrated, you know? And the best way. Yeah, I think think it's safe to say everybody's anxiety is at an all time high. Um, and that's perfectly okay. I feel like a lot of people are trying to put on this facade that they're okay. Uh-huh. But um, don't fight it. If your, your anxieties are, you know, through the roof and you need help, reach out to somebody, you know? Exactly, exactly. And, and it's sad, you know, because I'm just looking on Facebook, like I said, all my other episodes. I am looking on I use Facebook to like generate the pulse of people, of society, of social networking. Uh, just seeing how people are in general, you know, and get trying to get a feel for things. And it's uh-huh. kind of um, bugged me because something hit me last week. I read something. Um, a young individual was tired. That's what they say. They're tired. There's nothing to do in life. I'm bored. I just want to go sleep. I just don't. I don't want to wake up. And it's like, damn. You're 19 years old, 18, 17, you know, whatever. And um, and things like that needs to be taken serious because that's yes. a cry for help right there. Yes, yes. Um, I think for, like, we really take stuff like that for granted. Like, oh, they're just attention-seeking. Maybe so, but better be safe than sorry, you know? Yes, and why is our, um, gen- why is our society do not take 
um, mental health serious? Is it um, just a stigma of like, oh, ain't nothing wrong with him? You know what I mean? Just like we just never took that serious. And I'm guilty of it. You know, I ain't gonna lie. I've been guilty of it at times. And maybe it's my correctional. You know, you, we both worked in corrections. And maybe it's part of that that has um, rubbed us the wrong way. You know, inmates are, oh, uh, I need this. I don't feel good. I need this. You know, and they're always pulling our chain. To me, there's yeah. a lot that play in this, right? Okay. I feel like um, there's the generational difference. Okay. Where, like, the older generations, they've been through more. Okay. And they never had, you know, to seek for help. And they found a way to deal with it. Mm. Um, not saying it's healthy or unhealthy, but however, I feel, uh, I see a lot now. People are like, oh, the, this younger generation, they're so soft. Mm-hmm. Or they always... They always need this or they're always crying out for help or, um, you know, whatever else people come up with. I just I just want people to be clear, like we are two different generations. We are raised like differently. Mm -hmm. Whatever was okay for you to take on, Mm -hmm. which I still think is not the best outlet, because if you look at it, all the people who took in so much and bear so much on their own, Mm -hmm. they're not healthy adults now. Yeah. Yeah, they're not healthy adults now. It's like, okay, I I was made to be strong for so long that, you know, I'm always angry or lashing out or something is not right. Right. You know, and and now I feel like we're we're making it more like it's normalized to want to have help, to want to seek counsel, like seek counseling, to want to seek help, but for the older generation, some of them see it as a sign of weakness, you know? And I think, so what do you tell, I mean, speaking on that piggyback on that, let's say you have like, like you said, the older generation, we see that as a sign of weakness and you're the younger generation. See it as a cry for help. What do you tell an individual that's from the older generation with a younger kid in this current generation, when they're reaching for their parent and they crying for help, how should a parent respond? You know, because they're like you said, they're already instilled with that mindset of ain't nothing wrong with you. You're being soft. You're being weak. I'm guilty of it still to this day. But what will you tell people like me and um, others that have that mindset of ain't nothing wrong with you, man? You're faking. You just want attention, even though we know our younger generation is crying for help. Do we? Be, I mean, I, yeah, go ahead. I think for one, um, what I do because I do have a lot of youth that I work with Mm -hmm. and their parents um, see things differently. What I do is I, um, I usually tackle the parents past. Okay. Because um, the thing about trauma is uh, you never can um, hide it until you, until you work through it. And, and um, you can tell by a way a parent says certain thing, how traumatized they are or Mm. they're battling their own demons. Mm. So um, it's pretty visible. That's not something you can hide. Right. So what what you usually do is, um, especially because the youth, mm-hmm. they're my clients, so I focus on them. Mm-hmm. Um, first, I you know I um, I give them the power that they need. Yes. You know the push. Like it's okay to want help. It's yeah. okay to feel like today is not your day. It's okay to feel the way you're feeling. Yes. And then what I do is I always loop like, you know, a family session or something, you know, a family gathering or something. And once you start talking and, and, and 
most parents, no matter how soft they think their kids are, mm-hmm. when you're face to face with your child crying out for help, mm-hmm. I've seen most, if not all parents, they actually listen. It's like, oh, my God, my child is hurt, mm. yes, you know, yes. or my child needs help. Um, I think that face to face where you have to you first you have to build your child. You, you just got to build the youth to be able to stand up to the parents and tell them. I know this is how you think, but this is what I mean. And once we get to that point, once we get to that point, most parents, they listen. Right. You know? So, I mean, and then again, we have to make it very clear, the change of times, the, like I said, now we, we, when we covered bullying, bullying is so different now where, you know, um, things happen where, kids can never get away when you go home and it's still there on your phone, on your computer. You just have to remind the parents the different in times and tolerance, the different, you know, intolerance. I I don't consider it weak. Mm. I just see it as it's okay to need help and to reach out for help. Yes. So it's all about how you phrase it to that parent. Most of the time, though, they listen. Good deal. Good deal. Hey, we're talking to Miss Sophia DuPont mental health issues very insightful um at ben frank now that's ben frank now at 911 at gmail.com hey mr Potter, one question i gotta ask is i noticed there's a trend because i worked in juvenile corrections i want to say late or mid 2000 whatever that doesn't matter but um i worked in juvenile corrections and um i noticed during um intake i used to ask this question have you thought about committing suicide and it used to be a question I just, you know, always had thought about. I already had my pencil on no. Because I always had to answer no, you know. But I started getting all the kids coming in and say, yes, yes, yes. Have you ever thought about committing suicide? Yes. I'm like, whoa. You know, and I'm, it took me back because I was really shocked to see how many kids in the age group. And I hate to spec- uh, specify age group, but I want to say they're teenage years that have thought about committing suicide. Why is that? You know, why are young kids in today's era are more susceptible of trying to commit suicide as it was, say, maybe what, 15 to 20 years ago? Oh, this is a, a <laughs> very, very powerful question. Um, um, one, I would say, like today, nowadays, our youth are going through so much okay. that, you know, we're not, we're not really, I wouldn't say youth back then didn't go through it, okay. but I think it's more, it's, it's a different ball game nowadays. Um, yes. Everybody wanted to fit back then. Yes. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody, um, everybody had that crew or everybody, you know, had that girlfriend that um, broke their hearts and, you know, I just think it's the way people process things now. Okay. Where, where, um, back in the day, if somebody's heart was broken, I don't know. However, they, um, you know, they got through it. Where now, it's not only your heart is broken, but now you have to watch your girlfriend on Facebook with mm, the next guy. Mm, yeah. You know. Yeah. Or you have to see the um, post about it. Yeah. Or um, when you get to school, people are teasing you about it. You know, like I said, it's just different adaptation, different yes. brought up, um, 
you know, different ways of taking things in. Mm. And another thing I'd like to to chime on, um, you know, when we when the older generation say, you know, these kids are weak and how they perceive things or everything is, you know, you're always so hurt. Remember who raised these kids. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, if we're going to talk about being soft, they got it from somewhere. Ooh. Mm. So um, we need to be real careful when we say things like that, because remember, we're the generation that are that's raising these kids. Yes. What are we instilling in, on them? Like, what are we what are what are we teaching them? Yes. yes. You know, yes. and it goes back to I remember um, this one episode we had where um, I remember Amelia saying, you know, we need to stop giving participation trophies mm-hmm. where everybody get a trophy for participating. I think um, we started this whole trend, That's you nice. know. Wow, I didn't think about that. Damn. Damn. You know, I I feel like if we kept things the way it was, it's like you won, but you didn't win this time. Next time you'll win. But no, we're giving everybody trophies just for being there. So we are building this characteristic in our kids. So I want to kind of segue, but I'm going to come back to it, though. But you said the participation trophy um, generation and everybody just feel like everybody deserve a piece of the pie. Could this also be a factor of maybe how society is right now? Like um, everybody think the society we're in right now is different than what it was five years ago, 10 years ago. Just just look around the landscape and mm-hmm. notice like. D kids as this younger generation, I can't put my thumb on it, but they're different. They're just something mm-hmm. different about this generation. Is this the participation trophy that's running, like trying to run the country? The next ones in line to be in control as CEOs and um, Fortune five hundreds and you know bosses and powerful positions. Is that what we're looking at now? Is that a, a change of time? Because I mean, look, we got the BLM movement. You know, people are uproar about that. You heard last episode, I wonder. Um, you, mm-hmm. um, the pride, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. gender fluency, all that. I mean, mm-hmm. what's going mm-hmm. on? I mean, where are we at? Like, I can, like for most things, just remember, everything has a pro and a con. Okay, okay. Right? Y- yep, yep, yep. So, so if we're saying, like, this new generation, they're so, you know, um, sensitive yes. or... They're this, they're that. I feel like they have more acceptance in them. Okay. okay. Um, I wouldn't say, you know, um, I think they just want everybody to belong somewhere, yeah. which is a positive. Okay. Um, but also, you got to understand, you see these movements that's happening. Kids mm. who are standing up against their parents. Yes. And telling their parents, like, what's wrong versus what's right. I think that's also a good thing that came out of what we instill in our kids, okay. you know, where, where, the, where, where we're at a time where we have kids telling their parents, no, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, that's, that's, that's major, mm. you know? And I think that is, I think that is the pros and, 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 you know, in raising our kids the way we're raising them. Yes. They could be overly sensitive. So some <laughs> say, but to me, I feel like they're more accepting Okay. Um, I I rather use the word accepting, where yeah. they're accept they're they're acceptive they they they're accepting they're accepting everybody they think everybody wants to belong, but if you see the trend though they want things that make sense. Okay. 
you know, there's a big difference with accepting and wanting to belong and just want to partake just because. For example, yeah, for example, I, 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 I despise when people are say, say things like, you know, um, oh, um, I'm a black woman, so I should be here. Do you Ooh. belong here? You know, things like that. Or people who play this kind of, uh, who play whatever kind of race or whatever kind of, well, I'm a woman. I, I should be at this table. And it's like, I'm glad that you feel this way, but do you qualify? Mm. You know, you, you, you have to ask for acceptance and things that make sense. Yeah. Basic human rights, whether somebody is gay, straight, whatever, mm-hmm. the basic respect should be here. Yes. But what what we're not going to do is use our gender, our um our sexual orientation or uh, our race mm-hmm. or anything to get ahead. That's gotcha. what I don't like. You know? Yes. That's yes. what I I don't agree with. If you belong, you belong. Show me your credentials, show me what you got and compare it to the other people at the table. Yes, give everybody a chance. And see, you like, know? It seems like you're part of that generation where I'm from. Not the old school generation because I think the old school generation above me is more of still that good old boy generation, you know. And then mm-hmm. our generation is if you uh, if you qualify, you deserve a fair chance. You deserve a fair yes. opportunity. But yes. but but I hate to say it, but the young generation is like you said, it's like, Well, I am transgender, so I want that that's that's my spot. And then if I don't get it because you're um, discriminate against me. No, you're just not qualified. Then they're going to throw out the discrimination because they feel like they should have had a chance for X, Y, and Z job, you know, and that's, that's, and that's, yeah. and, and that topic in itself, it's a slippery slope. Yes, um, it is. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. a slippery slope. It's like they have been people who are qualified and who, who never got a seat at the table mm. just because of their gender or just because of their sexual orientation. Mm. this is stuff that's happened you know what i mean so it's not like people are just screaming this discrimination for no reason this Mm. is stuff that has happened yes if somebody has all their proof there all their credentials they they show what they can do and you're not giving them a chance then Mm -hmm. what's the reason exactly exactly so do you you know what i mean oh yeah i totally hear what you're saying so let me ask you this then so given what we're living in, what we're, what we're dealing with right now, we're at a massive change in a culture, in a culture. I mean, we're just in a massive change right now. Do you feel like and truly believe that society is going to start putting, um, I asked Stalin's and Greg this question. I'm going to ask you this question. Do you feel like that we're going to start seeing more black or minorities? Let me say minorities. If we're going to see more minorities in prominent roles, prominent positions, just because of their skin color, just to basically fill that quote unquote quota. Because we know the quota has always been there. But you gonna, mm-hmm. are you gonna start seeing more of a quota in businesses and, and all kind of um jobs nowadays, or is it gonna still remain the same? I feel like businesses are gonna cover themselves. Okay. Um is they that, are gonna fill those numbers. Is that um, is that fair? Is that like kinda I don't uh, think Okay. I don't I don't think it's fair in the aspect where you're giving somebody false hope. Mm. Um, mm. If that's not what they're qualified for, I feel like you're setting the business for failure and the person alike. Yes. Um, 
if you place somebody in a position where they can't do what you're telling them to do, that's only hurting the business and the person in itself. Yep. Um, I feel like if you put somebody in a position, they should be able to grow within. Yep. And if somebody never qualified in the first place, where's the growth? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the same and the same token, you'll find people that say, well, it is fair. That's giving somebody a chance to get ahead. All the people who were behind. Yes. You yes. know, where um, where now this person have a chance to make, you know, this uh, money bracket. You know, that person is able to afford what people in this company are affording. But to me personally, I never want to be placed somewhere where I don't belong. Exactly. I don't. You know what I mean? I, I, I just I want to compete for something that I earn. I don't I don't I don't think I'd be in my right skin if I'm just there just because. But we always hear this term, though. Get in where you fit in. And if the if the, um, if it's hot strike now. And what I mean by that is and it's funny you bring it up that you were talking about that. There's so many job openings right now. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? There's so many job openings uh-huh. right now that are <laughs> that are that are easy picking for black folks or mi- minorities. There's a lot of jobs open for minorities, and they're going to fill it with minority due to the fact of what the culture we're living in right now, due to everything that's happening. And, well, I'll be lying to sit here and say I'm not throw my name in a few candidacy spots. Uh-huh. Yes, I have. You know what I'm saying? Because, uh-huh. but I'm qualified. I know I'm qualified. You know, so but there's some out there that's going to, like uh-huh. you said, throw their name in a situation and know damn well they're not qualified. They're going to get the job, and then when uh-huh. they get in there, they might mess the job up. And that's what's going to happen. See, we should never give them a chance. You know, we should never give them a chance, and then it's going to make every other individual. Like I said, yeah. setting the person up for failure, <laughs> exactly. setting the business up for failure, where it's like, I I, I, uh, I want to be very careful with what you say, but we've seen this happen yeah. where it was like a hand picking. Oh, I lost one minority. Let me put another one in Yes, just for the sake of the number. Yes. And sometimes the one they put in, it was just like push, questionable, like now are you going to look at all minorities with that, you know, specific look like, Oh, look, I gave him a chance and yep. he didn't make it. And, but that doesn't reflect me. Uh, are you going to, are you going to put all of us in the same basket now? Like, like I said, it's just a whole mentality of failure. It yep. fails everybody in the, in, in that position really. And, and, and for the business in itself, you, you're not really doing any good if you're just placing somebody there for the numbers sake of it all. Exactly. You know, how was your take? And I'm going to ask every individual this, and I'm still going to segue back over to our mental health topic, but I haven't talked to you for a while. So I'm kind of curious to see what you're going to say about this. <laughs> what is your take on the whole black Lives movement? How you feel about so, it? So, um, I've been taking in different perspective okay. and like, like everything else. Um, I, I'm totally for Black Lives Matter. Okay. However, I do see what other people are saying. For example, I've I've listened to a couple of um, Stalin's points, <laughs> like, yeah. and there are like in the fine prints when you do read, there are other agendas in there. Okay. Um, you know, and 
give and take. I do listen to other opinion that are far different from mine as well. Yes, ma'am. And because that's what being an adult is. You can hear what, what you don't agree with yes, ma'am. and see the truth in some of the things that people are saying, you know. Um, but for me, I feel like the Black Lives Matter movement to me mm. is solely based on the unnecessary killings that have been happening because I do have a black husband Mm -hmm. because we've been stopped before. And my black husband has been called boy Mm. for no reason. Mm. You know, this is, this is something that some of the things that I've lived and because I'm from the neighborhood that I'm from, I've seen things that are questionable, Mm. you know? So my particular thing saying black lives matter I'm in a very, you know, medium aspect of it okay. because I've seen the both extremes. Mm. I've seen um, fellow black people saying black lives matter, but this black officer life don't matter. Mm, or yeah. I've seen I've seen the extremes on both sides and I've seen people saying, well, black lives matter. How come you guys are killing one another? Exactly. Um, so just to be just to be clear. I am in a very high medium and I I know what I'm rep- representing. Mm-hmm. When I'm saying black lives matter, I'm not extreme left or extreme right. Oh. I'm I'm a sane person and I am open to discussion when I say what I say and if somebody wants to know like well why do you think black lives matter and I'm always open to listen to what your think your take on it is. Mm-hmm. You know, we can agree to disagree or we can find points that one another have that makes sense Mm -hmm. or we can just go our, you know, separate ways and you keep believing you and I keep believing me, you know? Oh yeah. Um, but I, I do, I do support black lives matter to a certain extent. Okay. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to say like, there's not, you know, hidden agendas in there and people are not making sense. And some people are just out of whack taking that to another level where you know no um you know um where people uh, and are some people using that movement to get their way yes Yes, i've seen it that way as well but like i said i'm more of a sane person where when i say black lives matter i know why i say it okay and if somebody wants to you know have a conversation about that i'm more than open to yes you know and i'm and i'm open to to hear people's um opinions or different uh you know your 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 different point of views Uh that's that's fine everybody's entitled to it that's what i'm asking for right so why would i be asking for something that i'm not willing to give to other people i also seen on facebook and a lot of people talking and say black lives matter should be classified as a terrorist group how you feel about that well when when the kkk is a terrorist group mm-hmm. then maybe we can go there amen there you go i just i just find certain things like you know um the black panther was looked at you know as you know a terrorist group or even even till nowadays some people saw the the nation of islam as a terrorist group. And these are people who really didn't really believe in violence unless right. it was done to them. Exactly. You know, exactly. um, I just think when people say things like that, you need to follow the pattern. Everything black is terrorist, mm-hmm. but 
we have people burning crosses, hanging people, exactly. doing malicious things, yet we still don't say that's a terrorist group. Exactly. How come? Exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. You listen to Miss Sophia DuPont. I mean, this woman brings it every time. We need to get her more and more on there. But, hey, I'm going to make a pleasure to have her on her at least once a week and get everything all straightened out. You listen to the Ben Frank Now Show. That is Ben Frank Now. You can reach us on email, gmail, benfranknow91 at gmail.com. Yeah, Miss DuPont, let's segue back over to, um, over to mental health. Because there's a lot of things that, I mean, I'm curious to know. You have law enforcement officers or basically your profession that you're working. You dealt with society and you know how society can be tricky. And sometimes you get tired of dealing. Once you get done working at your job, you get tired of dealing with people, period. How do you how you differentiate the two when you know, let's say you're working, you have this individual. I feel this way. I feel that way. Can I go here? Can I go there? I feel like killing myself, blah, 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 you know. And then all of a sudden. You walk away from that and you go back and deal with the real world. How mm-hmm. how can you split the two? Oh man! Um, but we well, have a lot, a lot. Of, we have a lot of law enforcement officers that listen to this also, and they're part of that. You know, what I mean, they deal with society. You know, you know how it is. And when you got an individual that's just talking nonsense, they're always arresting the same drunk, the same individual. Mm-hmm. It becomes mm-hmm. a game, you know, and then all of a sudden when something really happened, are they really prepared for it? You know, so how do we make a change? How do we turn it off and start become more compassionate and understanding and listening? I mean, where's that line at? Where's that button? How can we as society, as individuals that work a certain profession, adapt back to normal society? I feel let's let's say first and foremost, our law enforcement officers, mm-hmm. we need to be compassionate towards them. Yeah, yeah. And who and I feel like, you know, society needs to understand some of the things that these men and women see daily. Yes. Um and I feel like that's something we underappreciate just because there are bad apples in a career. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, we really need to understand some of the things that, you know, law enforcement officers see. Yes. I'm, I'm spe- speaking from you and I just mm-hmm. working in corrections. Mm-hmm. We've seen things. There's days that are worse than others. Yes. There's days we had feces thrown at us oh, and it's like, man. wow, this really happened today. Yes. And I have to go back out there to be real. Yes. Oh, man. I also think, um, from the law enforcement perspective, their higher ups, their captains, their lieutenants mm-hmm. really need to support them a little better as well. Okay. Where we need to check in with these officers too, um, giving them an outlet and understand that, you know, how do you feel today? Mental health check is something that's real and we need yes. to really apply that. I feel like we don't apply that enough. Exactly. All, also, um, from the individual's perspective, mm-hmm. uh, from the perp or whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. you have to understand for me, the, the way I see things differs because I work corrections and I've worked in the social work w- world where correction is what you see after they commit the crime. Okay. And in the social works world is what you see 
throughout until they commit the crime. So I, I can see it from two different perspectives. So by the time they get to the jail and I'm dealing with them, they're already high. They already have done this. They already have done the drugs and whatever. And now they commit this crime. But from the social work aspect, I've seen that person was somebody that had some kind of trauma Mm -hmm. that was rape, that something Mm -hmm. did happen. And now they're hooked on this drug. Mm -hmm. And then this is happening. And I I get in from the social works world, I get to see them battling that demon. It really is a demon. And then to go back to the corrections world, you've seen people that come in that are like a complete monster. And after detoxing for two weeks, they're a different person. Yes, 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 yes. You know, so I think we really need to understand Yes, that is, you know, um, a person with a drug problem as opposed to this is a junkie. Yes. Or, you know, this is a person um, with an alcohol issue instead of this is an alky. I think the way we label things really plays on how we act on it. It's easier to say this is a crackhead around the way. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's a negative thought, and whatever comes after it is negative thinking. Mm. If we think of it as in this is somebody that has a crack addiction, mm-hmm. I think it opens your mind more to be more accepting to, you know, or maybe more understanding, yes. I would say, rather than accepting. So you mentioned trauma a lot. You say that word trauma. Does trauma, what leads to trauma besides rape? Because when people think of trauma, what people think of rape trauma is no trauma is anything that happened all of a sudden i feel like it could be you're walking down the street somebody got hit by a car three 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 feet away from you and now you're traumatized you're scared of cars yes or you could be in a car accident and since then you never want to get in another car yes so trauma trauma varies it's it's not just you know yeah, it's always something horrific that happens that leave an impact of, on your life. Yes. It yeah. could it could be something somebody said to you or like as you're growing up and someone is constantly calling you a little dog or a little this or a little that. It could be something as easy as a kid having a clown mm. for their first birthday and never wants to see a clown again because the clown did something, you know, all of a sudden and the kid is like, oh... You know, like this is a, a scary clown. So we all. So it doesn't necessarily. So we all have went through trauma, basically. It's like Every, yeah, everybody. everybody has been traumatized one yeah. way or, or the other, and some of us are. You know, some traumas are are less. You know, less severe than others. So some traumas we can work through. Where um, I'm scared of clowns, but I'm going to go to the circus, yeah. and then I'm going to see these clowns dancing, and maybe. I'm going to start liking clowns again. Yes, yes. You know, it's little things like that. Whereas I've been raped repeatedly. Yes. And every time I see a man, I'm traumatized. That you can't fix on your own. You have to talk that through. Um, there's different techniques, different stuff that you take from, you know, your therapist, your social worker, your clinicians, or your psych doctors. And some trauma are so bad that you have to loop in medication. You know? Oh, oh yeah. Well, you see who joined Doctor Robert O'Prisco. You hear? Is it, you heard about him? Have you? 
Yes, yes, I have. <laughs> Hello, how are you? <laughs> can, can you hear me? Can you hear us, Robert? Can you hear us? Hello? Yeah, I hear you. Can you hear us, Robert? Hello? Yeah, I hear you, Sophie. Hey, Robert, can you yeah. hear us? Yes, sir. Oh, How's yeah. It going? Oh, how you doing, buddy? Oh, that's loud. Yeah, we're sitting here talking about. Am I, am I difficult? Uh, I can hear you. Yeah, Hi, I can how's hear it you. Going? Hi, it's good. How are all of you? We're oh, doing, we're doing all right. Yeah, we're it doing, says my connection's unstable. Let me try again. I'll be right back. Okay. Yeah, there's some. <laughs> yeah, um, there's so much I want to talk about. Oh my god, there's yeah. You said trauma, and this this is gonna be good. This is about to open up. You are, <laughs> it's already been 37 minutes, and there's so much I can want to talk about. But I am gonna talk about it though. But um, trauma. Um, Yes, I believe we all went through trauma, and it's scary because I remember when I was in second grade, and our next door neighbor. I grew up in an old residential neighborhood, and, and I remember we went to a funeral of my next door neighbor, and we sat the front row. You know how bad that freaked me out. Till this day, I kid you not. Till this day, I have dreams sometimes. I remember it sitting in that front row at that pew. Looking at her in that casket. I was in second grade. How the hell is it still with me? You know, why is it still with me? What is it? How can I get this out of me? You know what I'm saying? It is still there. Like, you know, I don't, if I see a casket, people don't know this about me, but if I see a casket, I'm walking the other way. I don't know what it is about a casket. I don't like them. I don't like them. I don't want to be around them. I know I'm going to end up there one day. You know, I know I'm going to be there, but at the same time, Right now, you don't want to deal with. Yeah, I don't want to be with it. I I, I can't. It freaks (laughs) me out, you know. And um, that's trauma right there. I've dealt with, you know. And um, working correction. I remember a guy hung himself, and I remember that's a very traumatic thing. Yeah, experience. Yeah, it was March twenty seventh, two thousand thirteen, at six o'clock. It was six twenty seven. Matter of fact, I know exact time, date, and everything. And I would never forget that. It was a Friday. It was hot out, and it was. I will never forget that. And um. How do you cope with that? You know, with me, what I cope with, I remember I just, I stayed quiet. I didn't, I stopped talking. I worked, but I stopped talking. I mean, I kind of secluded myself. And that's why I learned in law enforcement and correction is that some people turn to the bottle. Some people turn to drugs. Some people have an outlet. You know, there's a, there, there, there has to be an outlet. Mm-hmm. My, my outlet, my outlet for my outlet for trauma has always been quietness and every time I've dealt with something I kind of like remove myself from the situation or remove myself from society as a whole and stay to myself I play PlayStation I don't indulge in food I just play PlayStation and I used to chew tobacco real heavy maybe that was it but I cut that out but I think everybody have an outlet and how can you tell the individual out there that have dealt with trauma how, what's the best way to deal with it? Do you go seek therapy? Do you go talk to somebody? I mean, what do you do? See, um, I think we need to be very, very careful to tell people what's best to deal with trauma. I think whatever works for a person yes, um, to explore it. I mean, minus the drugs and the excessive yes. drinking, I would say. Um, but yeah, seeking help is definitely worth it. You... So this is the way I pitch it because I have a lot of youth who are very like 
I guess, guarded. They don't trust many people. Mm-hmm. And so the way the way I pitch it is you get to speak to this person who's not allowed to say anything to anybody mm-hmm. unless you're killing yourself or mm-hmm. is a danger to society. Mm-hmm. This is somebody that has to write documentation, of course, because it has to be documented that it, you know, the conversation took place. However, speaking to the stranger, they can't run in your circle and then tell your business. Yes. Yes. Where I feel like we think speaking to a therapist is so taboo. taboo. Some of us is like, oh, no, I'm not going to see a therapist. But you do it to your friend. And you tell your friend about stuff like that. And you tell your homeboys or you tell your girls. And then when you're not friends, guess what happened? Your business is out there. Yep. Yep. So. Go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. So the way. The way the way I pitch it to people is sometimes it's okay to seek a therapist. There's some things you can't right away say to your spouse or your girlfriend or your friends. And that's totally okay Mm -hmm. that, you know, you work through it with your therapist and then you revisit the situation with your partner. You Mm know, Mm. Um, I I highly encourage this. Uh, My husband and I, we seek therapy therapy separately where there's things that he had to get off his chest. And so did I. <laughs> and then and then we'd meet together okay. uh, down the line and we'd express these things after you work through it. You know? And that's that's perfectly okay. So me I I forever advertise, you know, seek a therapist. And now they're so like before it was like, oh so expensive. Now every insurance company covers something. Yeah they do. Medicaid even covers um therapy sessions which is wow that's yes. a big step from where you know we came from oh yeah you know? mr o- dr prisco do you, i don't know you caught some of that but we are touching yeah we are touching on mental health and i gave uh we spoke about trauma and i told him my story about when i was younger in second grade my parents took me to a funeral and i would never forget that till this day i still have dreams about that neighbor in the casket. <laughs> I mean, to this day, I'm 41 years old. I still remember that situation. I knew exactly where I was sitting, everything. And I told him that, I told Miss DuPont, you would never see my black ass next to a casket at all. I would not do it. I would run the other way. I'm telling you, I will run. You'll see Big, you'll see Big Frank running. Like, where he going? <laughs> There's a casket in the room. I am out. And that's how I feel, you know, because I, I think it's trauma I dealt with, you know, and it's, it was a scary at an early age. So, yeah, yeah what is your take on that? I think I think that um, when I came in, I think it was a very interesting kind of uh, transition between stress and trauma. And I think you're kind of discussing the two, right? Yes. And and I think that when it comes to, to the, just riffing on what I had heard, so please stop me if you've gone there before, but... Okay. There are fantastic uh, self-care outlets available for stress, right? And so as you're bending, as you're dealing with day-to-day kind of nonsense, right, find some things that are not horribly self-destructive, right? So for right now, I've got a cup of hot tea and I've got a Belgian beer (laughs) because two different kinds of stress, right? Yes. Um. And before before I came here, I was uh, 
doing some rowing for cardiovascular health because there's that, that fear of the stress of COVID. And I don't know it's not going to help me at all, but it might, right? It's better not to do it. Yes. Um, and so for those things, if you can find an outlet that you don't abuse to deal with stress, I think that's good. Right. Yes, but yes. You, I don't know that you can deal with trauma in the same way. Mm. Right. So when you go from, from, from bending and flexing, maybe hairline, you know, cracks to a fracture, mm-hmm. right. Or a missing piece, or there's a break, um, you know, and I think, I think that's the difference, right. You know, is it just day-to-day stuff that kind of overwhelms you, which can eventually become traumatic mm. or is it something that really affects you? And so for you, when you talk about going and seeing this dead person and you're not ready, right. right? I think that's the key is your parents put you in a position where they probably thought you were ready and you weren't. It's not your fault. Is it your parents' fault? Yes. yes. Is it make the bad people? Eh, probably no. Not. Probably not. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Um, but I think I think that's the thing is is the the part where your parents probably have some some issues that you can you know knock them around next time. And say, look, right when I came back or when I was there and I was freaking out, right handle your business and pull me aside for five minutes, right? Get me out of the room with the casket hand right. it, you know, hand me a cookie and a, a glass of something and just yeah. sit me in a chair somewhere, nowhere near the casket. Right. right. Um, and I think that that's, you know, as parents, something we have to be mindful of is that we're ready for a lot of things that our kids aren't ready for. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right. Mm-hmm. And, mm. And let's let's go ahead and like take this to something that's coming because we're dealing with uh, kids going back to school, um, and we're talking about kids of all ages, okay. right, including adults, okay. right, yep. who are going to be going back to school. Yep. And for young kids, it seems to not be as big a deal, right? Mm-hmm. But for the older kids, it gets more worrisome as they get older. And for college kids, you know, shit, yeah. you know, um, and so they're going to think that they're ready for things at times that they're not ready for, or you're going to think that they're ready for things at times that they're not ready for. And I think this is where Ms. DuPont is absolutely right. Having someone to supplement your parents who are fallible human creatures is excellent, right? Mm-hmm. Having someone to supplement and compliment your spouse is an excellent idea. Um, but it's also something you have to be ready for. Uh You have to be open to. And I think it's great that society is getting closer to being ready, willing, and able to deal with that. But I mean, there's, there's still this, this old guard who, you know, if you went to therapy or something like that, there are jobs that are barred for you. You know, you can't have them. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, in certain states, law enforcement jobs are very hard to come by if you have like a counselor background, which is somewhere something we need to, uh, you know, shift away from. Don't know when, but you're right. Because I remember, I think when I was working with the Federal Bureau of Prison, they did ask a question: Have you ever seen Mm -hmm. therapy? And they get in depth. On mm-hmm. some background check, and you better not mm-hmm. lie because they will find out every damn thing about you. Yeah. Damn, I forgot about that. Wow. Yeah. That is sad, man. That is a stigma of mental health, and mm-hmm. it's like I mean, so you 
it's like a fine line you got to really walk because if I if I talk to X Y and Z right now for my own personal health, this might come back and bite me later on mm-hmm. when I need a job. Yep. So what do you do? Well, um, I can tell you what I do, but this is not a clinical right perspective, <laughs> right? Um, and, and I mean this. Uh, as someone whose early childhood trauma included uh, therapy uh, that was inflicted. And we'll get into that. Um, and so for me, I got lucky and, and I will be dead honest. When I got, when I went to college, I had not done anything bad, right? Not really. And I got there and I decided that beer was for people who didn't have taste. Mm-hmm. And I was going to drink whiskey. There you right? go. And I liked whiskey. So it worked out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I the very first day I was at school, I got handed a cigar by uh, a guy's dad who I helped move in. And I found mm-hmm. out I liked cigars. And holy shit. They were legal. So I got lucky. Think about this. Right. Yeah. I was handed drugs the very first day I was in college. Right. But they happened to be legal mostly. Mm-hmm. Right. And the only thing that probably kept me out of trouble was the fact that what I liked was relatively legal. Yeah. Right. And I don't abuse it. Right. Right. Whiskey's more expensive than beer. Easy not to, you know, to, to go overboard when you don't have money. Exactly. Right. Um, and then when I got to grad school, um, I was reading all the time and I needed to have kind of a physical outlet, right. For stress mm-hmm. because I was, I had so much kind of going through and I didn't know how to get processing time. And so I started working out four hours a day. Mm. And that was all of my mental processing time to give my brain a check by overexerting my body. And it just happened to be good for you, you know, relatively smart. And so I think that, you know, if I had a suggestion, it would be choose your vices wisely, you know? Um, And that's tough. Yes. You know, because how do you sit there and say, uh, you know, like learn to really like apples because it's a great thing to snack on all the time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, like in the end, I, I got really lucky with that. I got lucky that I have friends who I've kept for 20, 30 years. Right. Yes. Yes, sir. And if I didn't have that, then as Miss DuPont was, was saying, everyone would be all over my business and it would be everywhere. Right. Uh-huh. right. Um, and so if we're talking about for, for the whole bell curve of humanity, mm-hmm. I would just say it's, it's tough. It's, you know, life can be absolute shit a lot of the time. And there are people with whom you can share that in a way that is not destructive. Mm. Right. And eventually you can find people and things that are, non-destructive and then possibly constructive. Uh-huh. If you do that, you are way ahead of the curve. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that makes that that was a very well like you well put. You put it in such a perfect way. Um, you know, I was thinking more of, you know, finding a professional that could give you more techniques or mm-hmm. different coping mechanism, but the way you put it makes a lot of sense. Well, and again, you know, this is this is just for stress, for trauma. I'm I'm not the man, right? <laughs> right. right. Like, um, 
to to a large degree, it's it's a combination of like you said, getting help for tools that you don't necessarily have that I I don't necessarily think I could give to people. If you happen to be in the Terre Haute area, I have a sister who can help you out. Her name is Jennifer Jennifer Korak Hutchins. She's amazing. There you go. Um, so look her up. She's great. And I mentioned uh, some, yeah, and that's I'm glad you mentioned that and mention her name again in the Terre Haute area because. I noticed on my Facebook page, like I told Mr. DuPont and we were talking about a lot of teenagers right now mm-hmm. are putting things on Facebook that's having me disturbed. Mm-hmm. I've read mm-hmm. some disturbing things and I'm like, yo, you're 18, 17 years old. Be happy. Why? <laughs> why are you sad and depressed? And you just want to sleep your life away. Don't don't. You're too beautiful. Don't. Exactly. <laughs> Yep, uh-huh. and that's what Mr. Dupont said. So, Mr. Dupont, you want to elaborate more on that? Yeah, like um, especially nowadays, you know, our teens—they're dealing with things far more different than we used to back in the days. Um, there's too many technology. There's too much at hand. The cell phones, the laptops, and you know, they're they're constantly seeing other things. And one thing we forgot to—well, I forgot to touch up on. I realize some of our youth, they listen to these music with these lyrics that also contributes to certain, like the way they think, they think some of the, their um, thought process. Yes. Um, I've had some of my youth play songs for me and it's like, really? what did wow. they just say? And it's like, they're listening to that over and over and over. That plays a big part in your, you, you know, your thought process. And uh, to a certain extent, especially at such a young age, they're thinking like, this is life and this is, this is okay. Like what they're saying is okay. You have kids that really don't have like, like some of my youth, I know for a fact, they, their thought process, they may be 20, but they think as 15 year olds. Mm. And well, you I, I, I hear that. Uh, I guess yeah. my, my skepticism on music Right. And it might just be a music thing is that every single generation has talked about the damn music that the kids are listening yes, to. Yes. Marilyn Manson. Right? Yeah. And, <laughs> and I know that I listen to, you know, 90s lyrical uh, rap pretty much constantly. Uh, and whatever the new stuff is that mirrors that old stuff. Um, because uh, Wu Tang is for the children. <laughs> but some of those lyrics are not Um, I put this and and I think I think that you you are correct to to give credit to give to give all the credit in the world that there is a lifestyle kind of internalization that children have that is different than what we had and I think it's because we didn't have this thing where you could like post, post something on YouTube or TikTok or whatever, TikTok, yes. and if it explodes, TikTok. explodes, become a millionaire, yes, right, and have a brand and become like a company at five. I mean, like Ryan's Toys Review, right? Yeah, <laughs> and now he has yep. an Nickelodeon show. Yep, Ryan is a millionaire. Oh, oh he's he's ridiculous, right? Oh, and um, and so like. <laughs> It's, it's one of those things where it, it is a very, very different world. 
than we're used to. And so you've got this thing where people who are corporations, right? Teenagers who are corporations, mm. right? You know, put up Instagram pics or whatever. That is literally the the person is effectively a professional model at this point, yeah. right? Yeah. Male, female, family, and they've got a lighting crew and makeup and wardrobe, and and they are a whole company to post a selfie, right, of them hanging out at the pool. Well, I grew up in Terre Haute. Most of us didn't have pools. Most of us weren't off every Wednesday. Exactly. Right? To take, to take you know, happen to be hanging out by the pool in my cashmere robe because you can't wash <laughs> that except by hand. Right? <laughs> and, and so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fiction, right? It's a pleasant fiction that we are feeding to people as if it's real life. And that's really the problem, right? Because when you watch TV show, right, um, and you see – like, like even Roseanne, which I think was, you know, to a degree in the early 90s, the best representation of poor white folk mm-hmm. um, in their life. They won the lottery, right? They never quite missed a house payment or anything like that. They always made it by um, everything was hunky-dory by the end of the, the episode, right? Right. That's not real life. You're right. Right? Like, I remember going to, and you said no names last time, so I'm going to try and remember this. A very dear friend of mine who I haven't been in as good of contact with before. And I remember going and hanging out at his house and staying the night. And there was nothing in his refrigerator. Like nothing at all. Um, And I didn't know what to say to that. Right. I was poor, but we had food. Um, And his mom got roaring drunk. And that's, that's what happened to their, their food money. She went out and got drunk all the time. Wow. And so when we talk about stress and trauma, right? Like that was a very small amount of stress for me and probably for him for having guests in that kind of situation. But the, I'm certain having no food all the time because mom's out drinking was traumatic. Yeah. 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 Um. And so when kids are at home and they're in that kind of thing and that's their actual reality and they see what you can do if you just get lucky, if you won, if you win that lottery, yes, right, then they don't care about what's real. They want the fiction. They chase the fiction. Exactly. Right? And it's not, it's not going to happen for 99.99999% of people. Exactly. Mm. Let me ask this question. I know it's getting late your time, and we're already almost at an hour, and this was going to be a quick, a quick segment. I appreciate Mr. Dr. Robert Prisco joining us tonight. And he'll be having um, – he can fit in everywhere, just like the pod them two. Or I swear I always say they're chameleonaires. <laughs> they can fit in everywhere and make a conversation out of it. <laughs> but let me end, end this, with this topic right here for both of you guys. Mr. Pond. For your yeah. your feel is um mental health. We know it's not a it doesn't have a color, it's not black or white thing. Let me ask you this. No. What is the statistic the statistic for depression, suicide, uh, and a difference between rich and poor? Because if you look at it though, it's like the rich class have more issues when something go bad. And they feel like they don't have an outlet. I may be wrong. I'm just saying. And why I say that though is like, 
they never dis- they never experienced going hungry, lights getting cut out, being poor. As I'm poor, grew up poor, it doesn't bother me. If I like, you know, I, I ain't grew up with a lot of money, you know, but we're blessed right now, Millie and I. And like I told you, if the lights get cut out, oh well, I can revert back to how I was, you know. It don't bother me. <laughs> She might freak out, but it doesn't bother me, you know. But is there like some kind of correlation though in between rich and poor, maybe on the whole depression level, how people deal with things? Is that stress? Is that trauma? Is that suicidal? You know what I mean? Is that mental health? I mean, I know that's I, a, that's a wide range of questions I just asked there, but maybe you can just I kinda I kinda I kinda see where you're going with it. Yeah. Uh, and stop me if I'm wrong. Yeah. But like like you previously mentioned, I don't think it discriminates. Um the thing about it, though, I think um, when it's somebody with a higher class or more money, mm-hmm. it's more publicized when something happens. Got you. You know, Got it's you. it makes a louder noise. And yes, it, it is all about, you know, what you're used to or your background where, um, yes, if I was raised, um, you know, having my whole life and I don't have, it's going to hit me harder than if I grew up having mediocre and I still don't have. But I wouldn't say it doesn't affect the person that, you know, like because I've been poor and my life's cut off doesn't mm-hmm. mean it doesn't affect me. It just uh, it just affects me differently I where I will learn how to cope with it in a different way where it's not going to going to be like, oh, my God, um, I, I don't have any lights. Oh, kill me now. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it might it might just be like that for somebody that is poor. Oh, wow. Okay. But, you know, we see it differently. So, like I say, mental health, does it does not discriminate. I don't think, you know, suicide. I've seen people that have so much money mm-hmm. that are still so unhappy within and still tries to commit suicide. Mm. So, I mean, I don't I don't think being poor or rich makes a difference. Okay. I mean, we hear rich people committing suicide all the time. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a chemical imbalance. It's, and, and it has nothing to do with whether you're rich or not. Yes, it's just, you know, something that's not clicking there. Gotcha. As opposed to, you know, having money. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't think, yeah, that makes sense. I just hear the cliche, you know, I hear people talk, hey, yeah, you know, he got money, you know, he don't know how, he don't know how to be poor you know yeah I, th- yeah I think that's all for talk i think that's just how we're we're wired as a society to talk that's and sad. where like you know poor people think it's acceptable to have like the bare minimum when really in reality it's not it, it affects everybody maybe to differently but if it affects everybody equally mm-hmm. i think oh, wow you'd like to elaborate on that doc yeah that's pretty oh, yeah. good the punk yeah oh yeah um so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin by saying that mental health affects everyone all the time, period. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a form of health. With that being said, right, does it affect poor people more than rich people, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's because of what we talked about before, trauma, yep. right? Rich people get stressed. Rich people also have the time and the resources to get self-care. Right. And so you might hear about wealthy people going and having therapy to a higher proportion than it seems uh, normal for poor people. That's because they can afford it. Right. So, they can go. so, so treatment wise, treatment wise, it differs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I, 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 I right. that. It's, it's just like health. Right. If you are 
fabulously wealthy and you have uh, a job that allows you to be extraordinarily flexible, if you have a symptom of some kind and you just don't ever want to be sub perfect in your health, you're going to go to the doctor. You're going to have it checked out, right? If you're poor, you're going to be like, where am I in my deductible to, you know, this year? Yeah. <laughs> make that happen. Yep. Is this something I really want to wait until January for? Mm-hmm. Right. And then we're just going to just 2021 is going to be, let's see what's going on. You know, I've had those years, right? 2019 was a, let's see what's going on year. Yep. Um, I should have waited to 2020 because we're having a kid hit that deductible real fast. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. um, but I, I truly think that if you really look at it, the, the trauma experienced by poor people is fabulously, insanely, ridiculously, incomprehensibly much greater than for poor or than for rich people. Right. Wow, okay. We talk about, uh, deaths of despair, Right. And that is hitting almost predominantly poor white folk, right? And these are poor white folk, uh, as uh, Misty Pontiac talked about, who had been poor, but all of a sudden they've, they've gone from working poor to poor, mm. right? Mm. Now the lights are going off. And they know because of experience, they're not coming back on, right? right? Mm-hmm. This is, this is they, were, they were crawling out of that hole and they had seen the light, mm-hmm. right? Just a sliver of light on the horizon. And they're like, all right, that's the goal. And they, they slid back down. Mm-hmm. Right. When you look at uh, research coming out of Great Britain, shit, 10 years ago now, mm-hmm. they found that the magic number 10 years ago was about 75 or 80,000 pounds. Where is so, so money can't buy happiness, but it can stave off problems. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 80,000 pounds or about $120,000 a year, you have enough money to handle your business yep. and make some mistakes. Yep. Right. Oh, yeah. And think about that. Right. If you know, it's like, okay, we have to be good, but if we aren't right, if we, if something happens, if, if we blow a tire, we're okay. Yep. There is a tremendous amount of benefit to that. Hell yeah, it is. Right. <laughs> And here's the crazy thing. You think about what that is, $120,000. Well, if every 12 years, that's doubling of, of what we're supposed to have, right? Go back, you know, in 19, what, 80 something? That's 30 grand? Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so it's, not, it's not crazy, right? Because if you think about when minimum wage hit, yeah. Um, you know, at its, its at its inception, right now it should be something like twenty plus dollars, right? Yeah. Twenty twenty three, right? And now we're arguing for maybe fifteen. Exactly. That's we're at, we're at so, fifteen. So we're still talking about wow. fighting for less, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so if you're making twenty twenty three and you've got a dual income family, now you're making eighty. That's not terrible. No, no. But that's but think about that. That's the minimum wage. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the minimum to get by. And I, I would agree with that. I would say that to, in today's society with things costing the way they cost mm-hmm. about 80 grand a year seems right. Minimum. Wow. Right. <laughs> that, and what is our actual median income? 51, 52, 53. Shit might be there right. because up here in Arizona is 30 is 32,000. Sure. That's and if you're black, yeah. Yes. yes. Right. 
Because I think I, I don't do the, the the numbers on that, right? It takes a dual income black family to equal the amount of income of a single income white male earner. Mm. Eh. Not okay. It's not okay. Ooh, wait, you know what? We can go all day on this. I know right. the East Coast is late. Is we already nice. <laughs> it's all it's all But you know, so, but you know, so here's here's why I think if I can riff on it, I yeah. love Misty Pontemolis. This is an intersectional problem, mm-hmm. right? Because being poor and white sucks, mm-hmm. right? Having done it, I don't want to go back, mm-hmm. right? I understand the depths of despair. I understand the trauma that's inflicted by people, and more importantly, the trauma inflicted from parent to child. As mm-hmm. they cope with their stresses that become traumas for their kids, and that sucks. Yep, unresolved, unresolved issues that you know that they they the kids now inherit. That's mm-hmm. a big issue. Mm-hmm. And the research shows that it takes two generations to lose the literally the mental problems Damn. associated with childhood trauma. Damn. Right. And so my friend who grew up without food in the refrigerator. His kids are going to have his trauma. Damn. Their kids might not, but it's not guaranteed. Mm. Mm. And if you're talking about, you know, the average black family. So again, not individuals, just the bell curve. Mm -hmm. You're talking about it's going to take two earners to equal one earner in a Mm -hmm. relatively simple equation of it takes a dual income family to make it in this world. And so Mm -hmm. it's four black earners to equal one white family, right, in terms of purchasing power and in terms of stability. But the costs associated with four earners in one family is greater. So now you're really talking about five, right? So now you're talking about multi-generational households, right? No problem. Yes. Fine. But then something like COVID hits, and what does it hit the hardest? Multi-generational families. Fuck. Right? Yep. And so from an intersectional perspective, that sucks mm-hmm. from the fact that when uh, uh, when unemployment hit, you are now looking at 50% unemployment for black males between 18 and 40, right? Prime earning years. Hmm. That sucks. Yeah. Deep. That's deep. Yeah. That's deep and very traumatic, <laughs> to say the least. Well, guys, you know, no. let me go ahead and wrap this up. You know, I really have to wrap this up. I know this is so good. I got to wrap it up. Um, Robert, we definitely need to do. Uh, yeah, y'all too. We're going to get you guys earlier. Y'all both on the same time zone, New York and North Carolina. I'm assuming the same oh, time yeah. zone, right? So we're going to have to definitely do y'all segment again. How about next Monday? Let's do it next Monday. Yeah. That yep, good? that's fine. Hey, that's y'all, fine. Hey, yeah, y'all, y'all link up on my Facebook and stuff. Y'all, we can go ahead and do that. And, um <laughs> think, think about a topic y'all want to talk about. But y'all both are like peanut butter and jelly. Y'all both, y'all, y'all I like the mixture. Y'all mix good. So let's do that. Um, I really appreciate you, Robert, coming in, dropping in, getting off your roll machine. I hate the roll machine, but good job doing it, <laughs> Miss Dupont. I really appreciate you stopping in. You know, waiting for me to get all set up. I love you guys. Really, we're all part of this together. Like I tell people, it doesn't matter your race, religion, social, economical, your religion, uh, well, your sexual orientation, whatever. We all are family. We all in this together. It's 2020. They say it's the year of the cleanse, but you know what, though? Let's be more united and come together as one. You know, we're all family. I love you guys. We all have history. I thank you. I really do from the bottom of my heart. 
Thank you for yes, having us. Yes, yes, Thank yes. You. Nice to meet you, Sophia Dupont. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Doctor Robert. <laughs> yeah, hey, y'all get some rest. Y'all look like y'all got some bags underneath your eyes. Y'all look pretty tired. <laughs> hey, we'll be in touch, Robert Dupont. Let's do it again next Monday. I'll be texting you guys real soon. All right. Sounds All good. All right. Good All night, right. guys. Bye. Good night. Bye. Bye. And everybody, that was Miss Sophie Dupont with special guest Robert Oprisco. That was excellent. I I can't get enough of that. Them two together, that was pretty pretty interesting. So, like I said, Amelia, we'll be back on the show on Wednesday doing a women's segment. It's gonna be pretty interesting. Um, make sure you tune in for that. Also, we have this week, Mr. Peter Anderson. He will be back. Can't wait for that. With special guest, Jeremiah Gordon. That's going to be good right there. And then, like I said, we have Amelia's show on Wednesday. Hope you guys are doing good. We love you all. Be safe. Have a good night.